0: For many of us, as we were growing up, vulnerability meant to be at risk. The possibility of being harmed or injured in some way, hurt. That meaning reflects the root of the word vulnerability, which is vulnus or wound. I've had a variety of experiences with vulnerability, and the one that comes to mind right now is from several decades ago. I was talking with a close friend who was going through a divorce process. He was tenderly and vulnerably sharing his experience of what was happening. At some point I said to him, why don't you share that with your wife? It might make things easier. And he looked at me as if I were crazy (laughs) and said, what, give her power over me by telling her where I was tender? And that's why we often don't let ourselves be vulnerable because of the fear of how we might expose ourselves to harm or injury. Here's what the dictionary has to say about vulnerability. Capable of being physically or emotionally wounded, open to attack or damage, the state or condition of being weak or poorly defended. If that's how people believe it is to be vulnerable, no wonder they resist it so strongly. We've been talking about the 20th century view of vulnerability, and now in the 21st century, we have Brene Brown and her research Here's how she would speak to being vulnerable. Show up and let yourself be real. We'll be exploring those seven words today. Show up and let yourself be real. Let's start with showing up. To show up, you need to know who you are so you can actually show up. Let go of the stories of what you should do, what people expect you to do, even your roles and some of the ways you dress up to be okay in the world. Those may be stories about past events. Well, because this happened in such and so a time, I can't possibly expect this to now change. Or about that wonderful, mystical future where you've suddenly done everything right, gotten all that you want and need, and now life is perfect. Any of you been in either of those places? I have, most definitely. All of that is responding to external forces, not listening to your own inner essence. There's more to knowing yourself than just dropping the masks and rolls that you wear. Here are some suggestions. First, as I've said before, listen for what brings you joy, what makes your heart sing. It's the longings and desires within you that... Really want to come forward. Again, I was talking with a friend. One of the gifts of retirement is I have more time for friends. And she shared with me um, an experience that she watched from someone that was dear to her. He really wanted to open a pizza shop. That was what he thought would be the best, most wonderful thing possible for him to do. It would bring him all kinds of joy and satisfaction. Then he started thinking, I can't afford it. I have no clue how to run a restaurant. I'm not even sure how you make pizza. So he gave up that dream. It never happened. What's interesting is that specific how was possibly not the right thing. But the why he was doing it, the feelings that would be nurtured, the satisfaction that he felt in doing that might have been achievable, attainable in some other way. But he set all of his hopes and his expectations on the pizza shop and that was all he was open to considering as bringing him joy. There's a sadness to that because he's so narrowed his understanding of what he wanted, that spirit had no room to bring in other possibilities. If it wasn't a pizza shop, it wasn't what he wanted. So, Notice when you have an absolutely clear way you want something to happen, and then go under that definition of the how to how you will feel if that happens and let the feeling tone be your intention not the specific how of it. Another way to get to know yourself which is perhaps more difficult is to be compassionately curious about all of who you are. Not just those parts you'd rather lock away or fix or get rid of or ignore. but Actually, it's the reverse of that. Not just those parts that you're proud of, but those parts that you want to fix and change and ignore. That's all a part of you. I've been teaching a class on what's in the way is the way, And recently I brought in a blog post from Daniel Laporte. Its title was, Leaving the Church of Self-Improvement for the Temple of Me. We had a robust and fascinating conversation about what the Temple of Me might be like. Here's some of what people had to say. It's a place where I can go and be in that presence, that allness. I can forget myself and be one with the all that is. It's a sacred place that I aspire to go to when I've dealt with all the issues that I still have, then I will feel welcome there. All of those ideas of the temple of me suggested that we aren't ready to be in that sacred place of wholeness, of allness, of okayness, what Mary O'Malley calls the meadow. That, yeah, we'll get there eventually, You know how we talk about heaven is within in this teaching, the science of mind? It's not someplace out there. Many of us have fallen into a similar trap. We don't say it's out there, but it's something we need to earn, something we need to be worthy of. Same difference, whether it's way out there somewhere in the sky or something we have to work toward. Neither of those in our teaching or how we see it. It's where we already are. And all we need to do is notice where we are and notice that absolutely all of us, every single bit and piece is of spirit. We are in spirit. It is in us, around us, through us. It's not something we move into when we're good enough. It's not something we're kicked out of when we've done something wrong. It's where we be. Always, always, always. Every single bit of us. Even the ones that you're now thinking of as, yeah, but she can't possibly mean this. Nah, yeah, I kind of get that, but not this part. Yes, each of those parts. Just breathe that in for a minute. You are okay. You are spirit in form. You are God the divine in form. Do you really think that God has issues with you? If you are of and in it, are you trying to prove to God that someday you belong in the temple of me? Hmm. None of that is needed. None of that is needed. Here's how uh, Daniel Laporte shares it with a little bit of editing. She occasionally throws in a cuss word for effect. (laughs) To be very clear, it is not the pursuit of illumination that frazzles us. It's the motivation behind and beneath the pursuit. What's driving your habit to improve? Are you fixing your flaws or are you exploring your potential? Are you inviting the real you to emerge? Or are you trying to conquer your shortcomings? Our fulfillment stems from our motives. It's not how we seek spiritual growth. It's why we seek It's not how we seek spiritual growth. Be it meditation, be it yoga, be it walks in nature. It's why we seek it. May you seek to know the vastness of your light. May you seek to know the vastness of your light, which is all Ready in you now. It's already there, waiting for you to discover the incredible isness that you are. Well, as usual, I have rambled a bit, but I love what I shared with you, so I'm not going to worry about it. Thank you, spirits. (laughs) So, rather than turn away from the parts that we see as less attractive, less desirable, both Daniel Laporte and Mary O'Malley invite us to get to know them, as I've been sharing. O'Malley suggests we be curious, notice when something bubbles up, and not push it back down. Be curious and invite that experience, that feeling, that part of yourself, to share its story with you. Not to get rid of whatever it is, but to get to know it, to perhaps be at peace with it. Here are a few examples from my experience. All of us have ways that we distract ourselves when something gets to be too much, too much pressure, too much work, not enough fun, whatever it is. One of my go-tos, I vulnerably tell you in this moment, is a video game called World of Warcraft. I have played it off and on for years, including now. Recently, when I noticed a desire to stop whatever work I was doing and turn to the video game, I could, or when I do that, I have two choices in my mind. The first is, oh my gosh, Tara, you're a minister. World of Warcraft? Really? Couldn't it at least be world of peace and joy and kindness? The alternative... Is that I choose a different way to look at my need to distract myself, to be curious about what it is that I am doing in the alternative to the video game that I'm uncomfortable with, that I don't want to acknowledge. What's the need I'm trying to get away from? When I shift to being gently, compassionately curious about my experience, I want to understand more about what draws me to the video game. Here's some things I've noticed. It's defined, I have control, and I immediately get rewarded for doing something well. Perhaps when I crave distraction, I may be feeling I'm not in charge. Things aren't going the way I think they should. I'm not in control. Rather than feel into that not so wonderful and authentic feeling, I want to ignore it, push it away, distract myself from it. Where I am now within, with the game is I'm aware that it's something that I may be doing as a distraction, or I may be doing it for fun. I'm no longer judging myself for doing it, thereby feeling guilty and enjoying it less. I'm also doing my best to pause before I choose to play so that my playing is a conscious choice and out of reaction, of pushing away, a numbing of something I don't want to feel. What I'm not choosing to do is force myself to just soldier through it, get the work done. Don't you dare play that game. Because that's not helpful in any way. It might get the work done but it robs me of the joy and more importantly it robs me of the opportunity to better understand myself. I will probably always on some level be a control freak. (laughs) That's something I know about myself. When I try and ignore it, guess what? I get way more controlling. When I acknowledge it, sometimes it softens. Sometimes I can find other ways to be with an experience, a project, a person, without that controlling need that's circulating around in me. So I invite you to consider that. Here's another example kind of on the same point from my being retired. Among the things I've heard in our, you know, culture are retired people have lots of time to do nothing. They're just being. And retired people who are spiritual focus on being, not doing. <laughs> so, I have a couple of stories running in my head. One is my calendar has some more space in it but space in it but i'm still fairly busy and maybe there's something wrong with that because since i'm retired i should be remember a human being not a human doing and so when i'm so busy doing i'm letting myself down Lots ah, it's a judgment oh my goodness fortunately every now and then I get a little suggestion from spirit usually when I'm sitting in meditation or I'm you know driving down the road or whatever and one of those times I realized that my way of being was to do from my values that I be by doing in alignment with what matters to me. I'm not doing because somebody needs it, somebody thinks I should, somebody will give me all kinds of, oh, you're so awesome because you're doing this. I'm doing it, for example, teaching, because I love to teach, and that supports one of my most important values. When I'm doing, acting from that place. I am embodying who I am in the world. So it may be very different for you, and I also know retirement. I know no retired folks that are not busy, so there's some mythology in all of that. But but whatever areas you have where you assume it's supposed to be a certain way, just gently now and then ask yourself, is that true for me? Because as we know and say a lot, we are one of one fundamental consciousness. We are one. And we're unique little nodes, bubblings up of unique gifts and qualities. And that consciousness is infinite. So Anything that calls to you is worth exploring. And all those external or now internal voices of shoulds and well, but this is who you are that are not you, turn down the volume a little bit or be curious about where that's coming from. Because there's another opportunity to know yourself. So, still about showing up because I think that's really at the heart of vulnerability. I want to share one more example from my own life because it's a lovely transition to the next section. Yesterday, actually, I got an email from a volunteer organization that I'm involved with and it included an invitation to a 21-day climate challenge. The invitation was set in a context of a remarkable song through my granddaughter's eyes. It was a music video, and it showed a granddaughter sitting with her grandparents, and the granddaughter was watching the movie about the impact of climate change. Her grandparents were chatting with each other and looking around and generally ignoring what was going on in the movie. Thankfully, eventually, they did watch and acknowledge their daughter, their granddaughter's concerns. My mind, when I got that invitation, its immediate first response was, no matter what I can do, it's not going to make a difference. So whether I do anything or don't, who cares? Then I dropped into my love for my grandchildren and my worry about, how the earth will be in 30 or 40 years when they're adults. Aligning with that love, I realized whether or not it made a difference wasn't what was important. What was important that I was showing up in the world demonstrating one of the values that I held to be important, doing what Dr. Edward referred to some weeks ago about being who you are in action, Not just quietly being authentic and keeping it to yourself. But actually showing up as who you are. That leads me into the next phrase which we'll drop into briefly. The phrase completely is show up and let yourself be real. So let yourself. Why would you possibly need permission to be or do something? Why would you have to let yourself? For me, it's because of two areas of resistance. Fear and uncertainty. I suspect that one or both of those resonate with you. For me, the antidote to fear is one of two things. The first is informing myself, getting to know more about what it is I'm afraid of. The second is... I yeah, just totally blanked on it. I'm sorry. Uh, the second is, and I'm blanking on it because it's been an issue for me and it's a little bit less an issue now <laughs> trust. When I remember to trust myself and that something within. Fear is something I can move through or move with. (coughs) Here's Oprah Winfrey speaking to that all in all in all and its support. I could feel the voice bigger than myself speaking to me and all of us have that same voice. Be still and know it. It's always there speaking to you and waiting for you to hear it in every move, in every decision. I wait and I listen. I'm still. I wait and listen for the guidance that's greater than my meager mind. So what to know is God is love and God is life. And your life is always speaking to you. You are not alone. You are sourced by that which you are in incomparable ways if you open to that and let it in. There's another element that we trust. We trust ourselves and we trust that voice within. In this teaching, we also trust that ultimately it's all unfolding to the good. It may not be in this year. It may not be in our lifetimes. It may be decades or even centuries from now. But the arc of morality, of the moral universe, is bending toward justice. And I also trust that. And that helps me to navigate through my fear. Uncertainty is way easy for me to deal with when I reframe it. When I'm certain of something, when I know what I want to happen, I keep looking for that simple thing to happen. I want a pizza shop. That's what I need. If, however, instead of being uncomfortable with uncertainty and being certain what I want is a pizza shop, I open to infinite possibilities, which is another way of looking at uncertainty, all kinds of things are possible. You don't have to limit yourself to one sure thing. You open to what you can imagine and even what's beyond your imagining because there are that many possibilities. Uncertainty creates this wide open field of possibility. So I'm coming to where I want to talk about being real. That's the last part of this. And I suspect you get a sense of it that you show up as you are. It's not a willy-nilly spilling all your guts to the first person who smiles at you in the grocery line. It's not that. And sometimes you need to go along to belong, the code switching that Reverend Jacqueline talked about, because it's not safe to be fully present as all of who you are. But there are times when you can do that when you can share with a friend when you can share with yourself who you are and be real not be the instagram image or the touched up by zoom image but simply be you you're okay You are welcome here. Every single bit of you. Not just the good, well-dressed Sunday, I've done my practice this morning and here I am self. But the self that's tired or angry or upset or joyously present to something happening at three o'clock. All of you. Every single bit of you is welcome. There's a remarkable young Christian minister, Nadia Boltz Weber. She doesn't pull any punches, and she's unapologetically a Christian minister. Here's what she has to say about being real in one of the lovely metaphors and examples that she often uses. And I invite you all into this, whatever your age, whatever your gender, whatever your body status. Have a listen. Be shameless like a middle aged woman with stretch marks swimming in a two piece bathing suit. (laughs) We can only really know and be known when we show how life has marked us. I never really feel a connection to someone until they have shared with me the lumpy, broken, or even petty parts of themselves. Our pain and failure, the things we do often try to hide, the things that create shame, the things that scar are what gives us texture. And without texture, there is nothing for others to connect to. Without texture, without vulnerability, there is nothing for others to connect to. So show up and let yourself be real. Last month the focus was on living authentically and that's the first step to actually know what matters to you, know your values, know what's important. This month it's vulnerability. Let people see who you are and invite them to be willing to show who they are as well. You are authentically yourself, which creates the space for others to authentically be and celebrate and share who they are. It all comes back to trust. Trust in yourself, in that all in all in all in spirit, in which each and every one of us moves and lives and has our being that all and all and all delights in our being fully exactly as we are authentically vulnerably our real selves